Amen. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a powerful name, the name of Jesus. It really is because here's the thing is we have gathered today to worship Him, to make His name famous, to celebrate who He is, and just the name. And even even as we gather here this Christmas season, you know, part of that name being given is what this season is about. And so let me just let me just say this. I love to be able to celebrate the birth of our Savior. That's what Christmas is really moving towards. It's, it's about that. And too often we lose sight of that. Uh, you know, today I want to celebrate, you know, what kind of what took place last week. Looking back, you know, we, we had celebrate the miracles and it was a great opportunity to celebrate what God has done, what God is doing and what He has in store for us. And, um, and we took up the big give offering. And let me just say this. I want to celebrate this and thank you guys, but we took up about $5,000 more, maybe more than about $7,000 more this year in that just that one service than we did last year in that same service. That's the generosity of God's people. And I want to say thank you to you guys for being generous. Here's, a, here's even better news. It didn't kill the regular offering. So in other words, we were still able to... People were obedient in one area and they, they sacrificed in another. That is huge. Now here's not, not even the best part of it. Was that, it was good, but here's the thing, we had six people, six people who put their faith in Christ for salvation last week. And so that is amazing. So those who made that decision, that's awesome, man. That's good stuff. And so I just want to say thank you to you as a church for being a part of that, being obedient to return God's side, but also to give sacrificially. And it's not too late to do that. You can still give and be a part of that. The, the big give offering continues to grow. We take that up through the end of the month. But we're way ahead of where we were last year at this same place. But it's not too late to give. I had a couple people ask me this past week, hey, I didn't realize it was last Sunday. I'm thinking, how did you miss that? Man, we've only been talking about it for about a month. And um, anyway, but they, they said, hey, can I give this Sunday? I said, absolutely. So you can still be a part of that. And I, and I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to miss out on being a part of what God does through that. And so I just want to say thanks to you guys for that. Today, well, if you've got your outlines, you can take them out. We're kind of... Uh, continuing our series called Miracles, the Wonders of Christmas. And today I really want to kind of go back and look at some of the verses that we've already looked at even last week. But it's, uh, it's, it's just hard for me right now to get out of Luke chapter 1. But I want to even back up a little bit further into Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. And there's a, there's a passage there that says, alright then, and this is, it's just God Himself is, is kind of prophetically saying, hey, this is what's going to happen, but alright then, the Lord Himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's, that's in the Old Testament. And so we go back and we see in the Old Testament there was a, there was a prophetic word, there was a, a, a prophecy that was given, hey, listen, this is how it will take place. And then you kind of fast forward to what we see in Luke chapter 1. We talked about last week, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah. You know, and, and he, he brings a message from God to Zechariah. And so we, we hear this, this, this message that is given to Zechariah. Hey, your wife is, is going to have a, a child. So Elizabeth, who was older in her years, Zechariah, who was older in their years, you know, Zechariah begins to question, like, hey, wait, we're old. How are we going to have a baby? And he kind of questions the angel. And, and anyway, Gabriel says, I stand in the very presence of God. And here's the thing. What, what God says will happen will happen. And you will not speak again until, until this comes to, uh, comes to pass. And so it's, it's kind of a moment. And so we see it. Hey, you know, Zechariah got rebuked. Man, he is, and now he has been shut up. He can't even speak. And so we, maybe we look at it a little bit different because then we cross over and we see where the angel Gabriel comes and speaks to, uh, to Mary. 
And he, and he shows up to Mary and he tells her, you know, hey, this, 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 the Lord has a word for you. you. You found favor in God's eyes. And so we see that story take place and we see her, what we feel like is, hey, her obedience. And we almost kind of want to look back at Zechariah and say, well, he wasn't obedient, so he got, he got rebuked. But the thing is, is maybe God was using that moment of silence. Maybe that moment, moment of not being able to speak. To really speak to Zechariah. And to draw him close. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but there's 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the nation of Israel had been calling out to the Lord and asking God to deliver them. And so for 400 years, there had been silence from God. And so think about the miracle that takes place whenever Zechariah goes in to pray. And he's praying for God's people. And he has this encounter with Gabriel. And so God speaks through Gabriel. So for 400 years there had been silence. And don't you know that the nation of Israel had some anxiety and some anticipation and like, when is the Messiah coming? When is He going to be here? And then here's the thing, this message comes to Zechariah that his son will prepare the way for the Messiah. And so God begins to put in order what He has already established and so we look back, and I know sometimes, like I said, we want to fast forward to Luke chapter 2, and we want to see the, the host in the, in the heavenly realm, you know, singing praise to God, you know, hey, He's here. But we need to back up, I think, and kind of spend a little bit of time looking at how God is at work, even in the silence. God is moving. God is at work. And so in this 400 years of silence, you know, they have been searching, they have been looking. And let me just say this, one of the dangerous things about Christmas is oftentimes we miss Christmas. And I think back to all those who were they were searching, they were waiting for the Messiah. Many of them missed it. They may have had religion, but they missed Christmas. They missed what it was about. They missed the birth of the Messiah. And there's still many today that are still looking for another Messiah. And God's Word has made it clear. His Son would be that Messiah. So, we look back into the Old Testament... And there's 400 years of silence, and we look at the last thing that God says before He speaks again in the New Testament. Listen to what He says. He says, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. That's the last words that God speaks in the Old Testament. That's Malachi 4, 5, and 6 right there. And then there's 400 years of silence. And so here's the thing is whenever we see Zechariah have this encounter with the angel, it says that he will prepare the way for the Lord. And if you go back and you look, this is what I love. Zechariah's got this moment of silence. He can't say anything. You know, and, and whenever they get to the point where they're gonna, they've had the, the baby circumcised, they say, hey, listen, you know, Elizabeth, what are you going to name the baby? And she says, his name will be John. And they're like, what? There's nobody in your family by that name. And so they look at Zechariah. Zechariah, what do you want to do? And he says, give me a tablet. He writes on it. He says, his name will be John. And then it says his mouth was opened and he began to prophesy and speak words of, of, of truth, of things that would come to be. And he starts talking about this child who will prepare the way for the Lord, who will be great in the eyes of the Lord. So just think about all that God spoke in the Old Testament is coming to fruition here at the beginning of the New Testament. And so God used, now think about this. So before he, you know, before he is struck with not being able to speak, he's questioning God. And then here he comes out of that, and he's speaking on behalf of God. He is literally speaking a word of proclamation to people around him. How cool is that? And so he is, he, it's a worship time for him. 
And he's able to celebrate what God is doing and celebrate this son that God has given him. And so Gabriel, the, the angel that we see here, was trusted with some really important messages. If we go back into the Old Testament again, you go back to Daniel. Gabriel appears there. He's the messenger of the Lord when it comes to important matters. And so we see him with Daniel in the Old Testament. And then again, we see him with Zechariah. And then we see him with Mary. And we're going to pick up there. And we're going to read again what we read last week. And then, so in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. And people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And so we see this picture of of Mary having this encounter with Gabriel, this, imp- this important messenger who stands in the presence of God. And so God has initiated, God has said, hey, listen, it's time. It's time for a Savior. It's time for a Messiah. It's time to change everything. And it's time to put everything in order. And so God makes the decision. He sends His messenger. He appears. And like I said, we see with Zechariah, and then we see with Mary, this, let it, Lord, let it be as you have said. So I think there's things we can learn from both of those. And we look back at Zechariah and we realize, you know, we may, we may stumble, we may falter. Man, God knows our heart. God picks us up. God dusts us off. And oftentimes He said, hey, listen, I'm still going to use you. And He would literally proclaim things of God just whenever God would open up His mouth again and He would be used by God. And I think sometimes we feel like, you know what, I've, been, I've messed up, I've blown it, you know, and God can't use me anymore. Yes, He can. Yes, He can. You think about Paul the murderer. Paul, the one who would hold the, the jackets of guys while they were stoning Stephen. Here, let me hold your cloak. Let me hold your, your jacket while they were stoning him to death, crushing him with stones. That murderer would become one of the greatest apostles, one of the greatest missionaries. And he would become the one who would literally write most of the New Testament. And so God uses us. Even whenever we've blown it or we've messed up, He's not done with us. He is the God of redemption. He is the God of second chances. He is the God who can use you for great and mighty things when we surrender. When we take the time to be still and hear from Him. And see, I know in, in this day and age, we, we all struggle with that. We love, we love noise, don't we? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm driving down the road. My boys have usually got, you know, hit, headset on or whatever you call it, earplugs in or whatever. You know, and they're listening to their, their, uh, their phones or whatever. So they're listening to whatever. Hey, Dad, you got your AirPods? Can I use those? And I'm like, nope, can't use because you get earwax on my stuff. And so we're kind of always dealing with that. And so I understand it. So my oldest son graduated from college Friday, and so we were excited about that. We're even more excited that he has a job. So congratulations, Hunter. He's here today. So that's a big deal. But we had gathered with uh, Hunter's girlfriend's family, and we were going to kind of celebrate them and celebrate their accomplishment. And we got there, and it was this house that we were in, and it was just kind of 
uh, awkwardness to the silence. So I said, hey, you know, so I took my phone out, put it on Christmas music, and it kind of filled the space. Is that, you, know what that, you know how that works? And so, so we're used to that. And what it is, is we get used to, hey, we've got to have a little noise. You know, if you're working in the house, you turn the TV on, you've got to have a little noise going. Or maybe the radio or something. But let me just tell you, there's something special about being able to enjoy some quiet time. There's something special about being still before the Lord and just listening for His voice. There's something special about those quiet moments in life. And oftentimes, what happens is our senses tighten up. And all of a sudden, we're more attuned to what's going on around us. You know, maybe we hear things we haven't heard before. You know, maybe, maybe you hear the, the refrigerator clicking like it, you haven't heard it before. But when we are, we're quiet and we're still, oftentimes God speaks in those still moments. And I just want to challenge you. Maybe we could learn from Zechariah. Maybe not have to be forced to. But what if we chose to? Just say, God, I want to hear your still small voice in this Christmas season. God, I want to hear what you want me to do. And too often we're wanting someone to tell us, you know, or we're getting on, you know, YouTube and let me, hey, let me find something that will tell me what I need to do. Let me, let me go hear some from somebody and maybe they'll tell me what I need to do. What we ought to be saying is, God, I want to hear from you. God, I know you speak through people. I know sometimes God will give a word to me that will be for you. I understand how that works. There's often times I'll, I'll meet with someone and man, I'll, I'll hear from them and, and I'm like, man, God is speaking to me through them. But it's just saying, God, I want to hear from you and enjoying that still, small voice. And not feeling like we've always got to drown it out with something. Now, I know, I know some of you guys are ADD and ADHD and all that stuff. And you feel like, man, I've got to be doing something or I'll go crazy. And then you probably think, man, I'm, I'm wasting time. I, I'm, I'm burning up daylight. You know, I, I need to do something. But I'm just telling you, God says that He blesses. He even commands us to be still and know that He is God. And so, you, I'm telling you, you've got permission to be still and not be doing anything. And I know sometimes we have that Martha mentality. But to just say, you know what? I just need to be still. And, and it can take place in a lot of places. Maybe it's on your back porch with a cup of coffee. You know, maybe if you're like my wife, who is today is her birthday. Happy birthday. My wife, y'all give her a hand. My beautiful wife, Laurie. She's 29 again or whatever. She looks good no matter how old she is. But anyway, uh, today is her birthday, but she loves a Christmas tree. I'm always afraid she's going to burn our house down because she always wants to leave the Christmas tree lights on. But for her, it may be, uh, hey, a good time to be still would be to sit there and look at the Christmas tree. And so whatever is whatever works for you, but to find that place where you can be still before the Lord and just just listen for his still small voice. I think we learned that from Zechariah. I think again with Mary we see, you know, her surrender. Lord, let it be as you have said. That we can draw from those things. And so I want to read about another person who's involved in this whole story, this whole miracle that we see. And miracles are where God is doing what only God can do. And so let's listen to what happens in Matthew, the beginning of Matthew says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. That beautiful name, that powerful name we just got through singing about. For he will save his people from their sins. 
All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Man, how, how beautiful is that? The prophecy that we read in Isaiah is fulfilled. Yeah, and so here, here's, the, here's where I, I love when I see Joseph. So here's a guy that says was a righteous man. He, 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 want, he didn't want to dishonor Mary. You know, he's trying to think about her best interest. But here's the thing. He's not getting married to her anymore. He's thinking, you know, he's already found out she's pregnant. I mean, imagine your fiancé comes and says, hey, listen, I'm pregnant. And it's God's baby. And he's kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, uh, you know, so I get him not buying that. And so God understands, hey, he's going to struggle with this one. So God sends a messenger to him. And tells him, hey, listen, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because the one who is placed within her is holy. It's the, it's the Son of God. And listen, you're going to have the privilege of giving him his name. I mean, think about how powerful that is. So here's Joseph who, it says that he did as the Lord said. And so again, we see obedience. We see obedience. How many times have we talked over the last few weeks about God blesses obedience? God uses obedience. And so when we are obedient to God, men, there's blessings. And so think about this. Joseph, who is this adopted dad, if you will, he adopts the son. He embraces this son. He is a stepdad to the son of God. I mean, think about the pressure of that situation. But it says that he was obedient to God. And he said, God, here... You know, let your will be done. He, he surrenders to that. And he takes Mary as his wife. And so I think for us, you know, we, we look at that and we go, man, that's crazy. And I, I think sometimes we, we miss what, about the virgin birth. We, we rush, like I said, to Luke chapter 2 where we rush to something else. But I think it's important for the church to remember this is a virgin birth. This is a miracle. This is the hand of God. This is the work of God. And so, like, I even heard something stupid on the news not too long ago, and the guy was saying, hey, listen, you know, Mary, you know, should be a part of the Me Too movement because, you know, God forced Himself on her. Here's the thing, it's not sex that takes place here. It is God placing within this womb the child of God, the Son of God. If sex had taken place, she's not a virgin. I don't know if you can do the math on that and figure that out. So here's the thing, God places within her... What God says, hey, listen, this will happen. And the Gabriel has already said, God's Word never fails. God will accomplish His task. God will do what He says He will do. And so here's the thing is, this virgin birth is a miracle. People can't get their mind around it. You know, people have tried to explain it through the years, what might have happened. But here's the thing, I take God at His Word, and I believe that God says, hey, listen, if this is going to happen, God can make it happen. And so we look into that passage and we go, wow, you know, that's amazing. But let me just tell you what God says about us. In Psalms 139, one of my favorite passages, listen to what it says in Psalms 139. It says, says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Psalms 139, 13 through 16. And so I don't know if you guys have ever read Psalms 139, but it's a great place of recognition where the, the psalmist David said, Hey, listen, you know everything about me. 
You created me. You spoke me into existence. You shaped me within my mother's womb. I am made exactly the way you wanted me to be made, God. And you know everything about me. You know every day of my life. You know what I'll accomplish. You know where I'll go. You know what I'll do. God, you know everything. And so it's an, it's an incredible picture. And so here, what I'm saying is, we look back at this virgin birth, and, and the question might be, hey, what can we draw from this virgin birth? What does that mean to me today? Well, I look back in Psalms 139 and I realize, you know what? That God shaped me and molded me in the secret place. And that God had a plan for my life and a purpose for my life. And so here's a couple of things. Number one, God does what only God can do. God does what only God can do. And so this past week I had, a, had an opportunity. A guy invited me to go with him to meet a, a gentleman who he paints portraits and he paints a, a lot of things for different universities and for pro football teams and and uh, super talented guy. And so, so we, we meet at, uh, Mac, uh, we meet at uh, Cheesecake Factory. Uh, if you guys like cheesecake, it's a good place to go. So we get there and, uh, we're, we're talking and we, we just kind of start sharing. He starts sharing with me about how God opened the door. Here's a guy who came out of gangs and, uh, got saved as a junior at 17 years of age. He gave his life to Christ. He was radically changed. God began to open doors. And now he paints all these in, in, in incredible commemoratives. And he is licensed by universities and by proteins. And it's just, and I'm sitting there and he would say something that's like, dude, I said, you couldn't have scripted that. I said, you couldn't have, you couldn't have scripted that. That's a God to me. That's what only God can do. And so he's like, brother, you're right. And so I would start sharing with him and he was asking me about Journey Church and we would talk about some of the things that God's done over the last 14 and a half years. And, and I would tell him something. He would go, man, you can't make that up. He goes, God, God is doing something there. Man, that's exciting. And he just, and I would tell him something else. He goes, man, I'm going to get up on this table and dance, man. He goes, I'm telling you. He goes, this is crazy. I said, well, let me tell you one better. I said, last week we did our once a year business meeting and we had six people get saved. And he goes, in a business meeting? Are you kidding me? He couldn't believe that. He goes, pastor, he said, man, you got a story to tell. And so we were just sitting there just sharing what God had done in our lives. And let me just say this. God wants you to do the same thing. He wants you to tell people what God has done in your life. He wants you to share the stories of what God has done in, in, in your life. And there's going to be people who go, man, you couldn't have made that up. Only God could do that. And so here's, you know what we're doing? We're telling a story today that only God could do a virgin birth. That only God could send an angel and only God could fulfill a prophecy. Only God could, could, could fulfill all of the prophecies leading up to this birth. Only God could do that. And so what does that mean for me and you? That means, hey, God, give me a story to tell. And God, help me to be sure to tell others what you have done in my life. Because we are His ambassadors. We are His representation. We are, here's the thing, we are His hands and His feet. And so God says, hey, listen... Tell others what you have seen. Tell others what you have experienced. I think back to Jesus whenever he talked about John the Baptist. He tells, hey, go back and tell John what you've seen. The lame walk, the blind see. Go back and tell him what you've seen. So let me ask you, are you telling people what God has done in your life? Are you sharing your story, your testimony? I think back to last week with Barbara Ann sharing her testimony and talking about what God has done in her and what God is doing in her life. Are you telling anyone what God is doing in you? And here's the thing, we all have that responsibility. And so what I love is, is looking back and going, God will do what only God can do. And, and God is the only one that can. And, and I hope you don't think that you bring stuff to the table. Too often what we do is we think we're that good and we're not. 
We think we're that talented and we're not. We have to be just that dependent upon God. Don't think that you're all that. God will give you a reason. And here's the thing. He'll, He'll do this. He will humble you. When you start thinking you're all that, you're setting yourself up for a fall. The Bible says pride comes before a fall. Stay humble. Stay teachable. Stay moldable. He's like, God, I just want to be used by you. I want to be your voice. And I want to be one that literally proclaims the good news. And, and so God does what only God can do. Here's the second thing. God does what He says He will do. Man, don't you love that? God does what He says He will do. Do you? Are you a man of your word? A woman of your word? Do you follow through on your promises? Do you do what you say you will do? Do you have character? Do you have integrity? Can you be trusted? Are you better known as a liar? Are you better known as one who just says what you want to hear? Are you known as one who will do what you say you will do? Again, if we, if we, if we look at Jesus and we say Jesus literally is God who has become flesh. Like the song saying earlier, heaven has come down. Heaven has literally invaded earth. And so if Jesus is, is literally God in flesh, and then the Bible says that we are to be followers of Christ, following His example, following His lead. We become ambassadors for Him, His representation. Then here's the thing, is we ought to be people of our word. People of character and integrity. Someone that can be counted on. Someone that can be trusted. Someone who makes a commitment and honors the commitment. Someone that people look and go, you know what? He is a man of character. He is a man of integrity. He is a man of truth. And maybe they look at you as a lady and they say, hey, she was a woman of character. She was a woman of truth. And so as a believer, as a follower of Christ, we should be because our God is. He says to be holy for I am holy. But I would also say that we ought to be people of character and integrity as He is. God honors His Word. You might say, well, Mike, you've already said, you know, that God does what He says He will do. But what I'm saying is God honors His Word, this Word, the Bible. God honors His Word. You know, too often I feel like that, you know, we, we go through life and we get focused on the wrong things. And I think it would be good to maybe in that still, quiet moment that we talked about earlier, if we found some time just to read God's Word. Like daily, read God's Word. You know, one of the things I love is, I love for us as a church to be able to put the, put the Word of God in someone's hand. Last week after the service, I was standing here talking to a family and, and a lady had walked up and she was sharing with me what God has done in her family this past year. And, and it was an incredible, it was incredible hearing what she was saying. And, um, you know, and she's a believer and she was telling me how God had changed her life. And I could see a guy walk up in my peripheral and I, and I, and I, I knew that just earlier in the service he had given his life to Christ. And so I said, hey, hold on just a second, if you don't mind. And I turned around and said, hey, and I said, did you, did you give your life to Christ? And he goes, yes, sir, I did. I said, I want you to know, man, I said, I said, I'm so excited for you. I said, I just want you to know this. I said, we planted this church for you. And he kind of shook, his hand was shaking a little bit, and he reached out and he shook my hand. He said, I just want to say thank you. I said, well, man, we want to give you a Bible. And I looked in his other hand, he already had one. He'd already gone back to the VIP room. He'd already met with someone. I said, so you already have one. I said, let me tell you, I said, that will change your life. And he said, well, thank you. And so I just want to say to you guys as a church, you put that Bible in his hands. That guy made his decision to accept Christ last Sunday. And so here, here, here's what I'm saying. The Word of God will change and transform his life. It will change all of us. God's Word, as I read it, it reads me. It oftentimes brings conviction. And here's the thing, sometimes it encourages me. It speaks life over me. It, it, I, you know, and when I know, it's, I know God's promises, I know what to claim. 
And so it's important for us to know the Word of God and to be able to... Someone asks you, hey, what does the Bible say about this? And you don't go, I don't know. Well, you ought to know. Start studying it. Start reading it. Start believing it. And so here's the thing, claiming those promises. I was talking with someone just before this service about a, a, a guy that used to attend here, you know, that's going through a tough time. I said, hey, what's the latest? And, you know, and, and I would just say this. There's times we've got family members and friends around us that are, maybe they're going through some tough things physically. What's a scripture of encouragement we could give them? What's a, what's a promise that they could claim? What's a truth that they could lean into? And there's oftentimes they're going through things that are causing them to be anxious and, and afraid. And we share with them Scripture that says, Hey, listen, don't be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication, present your request before God with thanksgiving. And, and, and God will protect your, your mind and your heart. And so we're able to share some things that they go, You know what? I can believe that. I can claim that. And so it's important for us to know God's Word. And here's the thing. We need to be willing to share God's Word. We're not to be afraid of sharing God's Word. And God's Word is a sword, man. It's one of the offensive weapons that we have. The only one that we have. And, and so we've got to be willing to say, you know, God, you honor your Word. So God, help me to know your Word. Help me to read your Word. And God, help me to share your Word. Every chance that we can. And then here's the last one. Just because God is silent doesn't mean that He is not working. Just because God is silent does not mean that He is not working. There may be some of you in this room that mean you've been praying you don't feel like you're hearing anything. There's a lot of factors that could be involved. It could be that your heart's not right. Maybe you're, maybe you're praying with wrong motives. Maybe you're praying selfishly. Maybe you're not praying for God's will. You're just praying for what you want. And so maybe your prayers aren't being heard. Maybe you're praying with sin in your heart. You have unconfessed sin in your heart and you keep going, God, I keep praying and I don't hear you. And maybe he's saying, hey, listen, until you get your heart right, it won't be heard. For the person who is lost, the person who is not a believer, the prayer that God hears is the prayer of redemption. The prayer of I surrender. The prayer of God, here I am. God, I give you my life. That's the prayer He hears. And so too often I think that what we do is we pray and we go, you know, why is God silent? God's still working. Sometimes He's still drawing you close to Him. He's using the Holy Spirit and He's using people and He's using circumstances to draw you close to Him. So God is not... He's not, he's not being still. He's not being silenced by anything else. He's choosing to wait on the right moment. It takes 400 years. He'll wait for the right moment. But God, just because God is silent doesn't mean that He is not working. He is working through the people around you. He is working through His Word. And His Holy Spirit is always at work drawing us, teaching us, equipping us, even praying for us. And so there may be some of you that are in this room that maybe you kind of, you're wondering, hey, you know, why is God not hearing my prayer? Maybe your prayer needs to change. God, not my will, but your will. God, not what I desire, but God, what you desire. If we look back at the model prayer that was given to us by Jesus, that's what Jesus says, Lord, your will be done. God, it's not about me is what he's saying. It's God, Father, it's about your will. God, I, you know, can this cup pass for me? God, but not my will, but your will. And so maybe our prayers need to change to the point of where we're saying, God, I surrender. God, I want what you want. I desire what you want. And so, and so here's some next steps. And I would just say this, you know, God is, God is, he's working even in the midst of the silence. But some next steps. Number one is I will trust God with my life. I will trust God with my life. You might say, well, well Mike, I, I, I trust God, but do you trust Him with everything? 
with your life? Have you given Him your heart? You know, uh, last Sunday, like I said, we had six people that put their faith in Christ for salvation. What that is, that's a surrender of the heart. What you're saying is you're saying, God, I give you my soul. I give you my heart. I give you my life. It's not saying, hey, God, I'll give you Sunday morning. And God, I'll give you a little bit of time maybe at a life group. Or God, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you, hey, such and such morning when we do a devotion. But what you're saying is, God, I give you me. God, I give you all of me. And so when we surrender, we give Him our life. We're saying, God, I give you everything. I give you my career. I give you my marriage. God, I, I give you my children. I've shared with you before, I had a friend of mine who was one of the godliest men I know. He called me one day, he was pretty upset, and he was like, Mike, he said, I'm having a tough time. I was a youth pastor of that church, and we were good friends. And he said, man, my daughter is going to be a missionary in Ethiopia. Her husband is a doctor, and so they feel called to foreign missions, and so they're going to Ethiopia. He said, man, I'm not, having a, I'm not doing real well with that. He said, I'm really bitter with God. And so we just start talking. I said, well, Pat, I said, didn't you dedicate them to the Lord? He goes, dude, I did, I did the whole Lion King thing. He said, I'm in, a, I'm in the delivery room holding this baby up saying, Lord, she's yours. You gave her to me just to raise. And, and, and so I'm just asking him questions. And he goes, all right. He goes, I get it. He said, but I'm just saying I'm not good with it right now. But what he was doing, you know what he was doing? He was counseling himself. He was reminding himself of what he had committed those kids to. And he had surrendered them to the Lord. And let me tell you, God has used his daughter and his son-in-law to make a huge difference for the gospel in Ethiopia. And minister in places that a lot of people wouldn't go to. So think about it. Here's a doctor who could make thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars here. Saying, I'm going there to serve the Lord. And, and so... For, for Pat, for him, it was a great reminder. God will take care of them. He said, but man, my grandkids are going too. You know, and so it was a tough moment for him. But whenever we surrender our life, when we surrender everything, we have to surrender. And we have to trust that God has their best interest in mind. Here's the next, next step. I will trust God to do what only He can do. You know, there, there's some things that we feel like, you know what, hey man, I can do that. It's trusting God for what only He can do. It's believing for a miracle. And a miracle is what only God can do. And so I would just challenge you, maybe today there's something going on in your life. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I don't know how this bill is going to be paid. Hey, trust God to do what only God can do. You're thinking, hey, I don't know what's going to save our marriage. Trust God for what only God can do. And so there's something going on, I promise you, in lives all around this room, that you're, you're going, man, I don't know how it's going to happen. But God is saying, hey, listen, if you'll trust me, and if you'll, if you'll obey me, if you'll be obedient, I'm just telling you, I can change everything. And so trust God for what only God can do. And then this last one is that I will spend time each day reading God's Word so that I can know the promises of God. I'll spend time each day reading God's Word. It doesn't have to be a whole book. It doesn't have to be even a whole chapter. But here's, here's what I would say. God's Word is sustenance for us. Most of us in here like to eat a lot. You know, we like to eat a lot. We eat breakfast, then we get a snack, then we eat lunch, then we get a snack, and then we eat supper, and then we eat a bowl of cereal before we go to bed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so we like to eat because we, we know our bodies physically, you know, need it. But a lot of us eat way more than we need, right? So we eat way more than we need. But here's the thing. What if we looked at God's Word as it is sustenance, spiritually? Because here's the thing. Is if you quit eating physically, you would, you would wither away and die. And for many of you, you're, you're withering away spiritually. Because you're not taking in sustenance. You're not taking in God's Word. 
And so I would encourage you to maybe just begin to read through. And, may, and there's so many Bibles out there that will help you to kind of understand, you know, how to read God's Word. There's some that literally just have the promises of God. You say, you know, I'm going to start claiming the promises. And maybe there's someone that needs to hear what you're hearing. And you, you read a verse and you say, you know what, I'm going to share that with someone today. I'm going to share God's Word today. So I would, I would just challenge you. Spend some time reading God's Word. Maybe for five minutes you just say, you know what, I want to be still and I want to be quiet before the Lord. And God, will you speak to me through your Word? And just see what He does. Because His Word will always accomplish its task. God's Word never fails. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today. You've never put your faith in Christ. You've never been saved. never been born again. What's keeping you from making that decision right now? You've already seen this church celebrates when anyone puts their faith in Christ. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices if one calls out to God to be redeemed, to be saved. Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ. And you go like, I don't know what's involved. Let me tell you what's involved. It's you surrendering by faith and saying, God, here's my life. God, here I am. I give you everything. And so maybe for you today, today's that moment. You say, Jesus, I believe that you can save me. Jesus, I believe you can change me. Jesus, I believe you can heal me. Jesus, I believe you can set me free. And so with all the faith that you have, you choose right now. Just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart, to be my leader, to be my Lord, and to save me. If that is your prayer, if you don't mind, just raise your hand. Just say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody else? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Anybody? You know what? You may be afraid to raise your hand. I know I would have been. Before I got saved, I was scared to death of anything like that. But you know what? You don't have to raise your hand. I just want you to raise your hand so I can see, so I can pray for you and kind of know how to reach out to you. But maybe you're one of those, like I was, you're afraid of anybody knowing anything. But let me just say this. All you got to do is just say, God, right here where I'm at, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And if that is your prayer, I want to walk you through a simple prayer. It's just saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you went to the cross and died for me. Jesus, I believe that you bled out your precious blood for my sins. And so, Jesus, I believe with all of my heart that to be truth. And I believe that you can change me. And I believe that you can use me. And so, God, I'm giving you my whole life. If that is your prayer... And it's, it's by faith. The Bible says you will be saved. And you become a part of the family of God. You're adopted into His family. You become a child of God. How awesome is that? But you know what? Looking around this room, there's a lot of Christians in this room. And I would just say this. I know a lot of times we're Christians. We made that decision a long time ago. But let me ask you this. Are you truly living a life of full surrender to God? Or is He just kind of a part of your life? He's kind of in the top five maybe. Or is He truly Lord of everything? Are you living a life of surrender to Him daily? Are you honoring Him with your words, with your actions, with your life? Are you living in a way that people around you know that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, and they see you as a light? Are you living in a way that God would say, well done? And if not, then what needs to change in your life today? 
Maybe there's something you need to confess. God, I want to confess this. God, I want to lay this down. God, I want to release this. And God, I want to be used by you for your purposes. God, I want to be your vessel to speak truth. God, I want to share my testimony. God, I want to share the Word of God. God, I want to be used for you, by you, for your purposes. I would just challenge every believer to say, God, that's me. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for the promises that we see in Zechariah. God, someone who can be changed. Who would go from someone who would doubt, someone who would proclaim. God, I thank you for what we see in Mary. Lord, Father, we see someone who was surrendered to whatever your wishes were. God, we see someone like, like Joseph who would not only begin to question, but God, he would also surrender to, in obedience to God's plan. So, Father, I pray that we would be those type of people. God, that we would, we would be one who would literally share our story every chance we can. And God, we would tell others about Jesus every chance we can. God, thank you for those who put their faith in you. And God, if there's anybody in this room that made that decision today, God, we, we celebrate that. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing this church. God, thank you for using this church for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.